It's good to be here this morning with my family and with all of you, those of you who I know and those of you who I haven't met yet. Um, when Tim asked me to speak, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, God, what are you doing in my life right now? What are the things I'm facing and working through? And that's typically, since I don't have to preach Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and sort of have, you know, working through a book in the Bible or things like that, I can kind of just jump in wherever I want. <clears throat> and so... Uh, and as we've been talking a little bit with the worship and things about facing doubt and uncertainty and how hard that can be, um, this is actually, I want us to come through this with a uh, sense of victory, a sense of confidence in who God is and, and what he's doing, even though we might not fully understand it, he's leading us and guiding us and directing us to his uh, perfect end and our peace in that, how we fit into, into his plan. And so that's my hope is that through our journey this morning, we will be more confident in God and our faith in him will be strengthened. So if you have your notes, I think Tim put those in the bulletins for you. <clears throat> it says, uh, Confessions of a Youth Pastor. And I do need to make some confessions this morning. Uh, when I started in youth ministry, I was fresh out of seminary, and the, uh, you know, when you come out of school, you have all the answers, right? You, you know how everything works, and, you know, you, you just, you, you got it, and, and if just those older people would listen to you, everything would work a whole lot smoother. Um, <clears throat> so I was in ministry, and, and I look back, and I think, you know, these parents would come to me with questions, they would have concerns, struggles, um, not sure how to handle things in their, with their parenting to their children, with their uh, relationship within marriage, within all these things that, that go on in life. And I had the answers. I said, well, you know, you just need to pray more, read your Bible, trust God, you know, all the, the things that, uh, the, the formulas. And, and it's not that there's anything wrong with the formulas, but we know as we go through life it's not always easy. It doesn't always turn out the way we planned, the way we expected, the way we hoped. Um, all those things, things happen that are completely outside of our control. Things come that we don't expect. And so the idea this morning is, what do we anchor ourselves to when those storms come, when those uncertainties come? How do we navigate those stormy waters? And so every once in a while, I'll run into a, uh, a parent or one of the kids that were in my youth group, and every once in a while, I'm like, hey, you know what? I just want to let you know that I was kind of a little bit, um, I don't know if I'd say arrogant, but just I gave you answers with no, with no connecting point. Um, think about Job. You know, Job says at the end of the book of Job, he said, you know, Lord, I'd, I had heard of you, but now I've seen you. And so when we go through life and we walk through those challenges, those struggles, it's like all of a sudden, it's like now when I talk to those parents or people come to me, I'm like, hey, I'm right there with you. I've got some of those same questions. I've got some of those same things that I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm not sure what my next, you know, what I'm supposed to do next. And trying to navigate and figure that out is very, uh, uh, can, can be overwhelming. It can be 
frustrating and challenging, but hopefully this morning as we look at the life of John the Baptist, we'll be able to uh, see how, where we anchor our faith um, to, to make it through this in a, in a way that makes sense. And so, have any of you guys ever really studied the story or the life of John the Baptist, like just kind of all the way through all of Scripture? I had never done that until God kind of led me to, to John and his questions at the end of his life when he's in prison. So I thought, I'm like going back and I'm going through the Gospels, I'm going through the Old Testament, I'm looking at all these things. And so this morning, I'm just going to tell you the story, kind of the highlights. I'm not going to get into like the, the exact dates and each individual passage because that would take a lot of time, but I just want to go through what it must have been uh, like for John to grow up um, called by God as the one who was going to proclaim the coming Messiah. He was going to be the, the final prophet of the Old Testament and the bridge to the New Testament, proclaiming that Christ who was prophesied throughout the Old Testament, is now here standing before you. <clears throat> and so we see uh, in, in Scripture, in the Gospels, that there, first of all, there were prophecies about this coming, uh, uh, the, the one who was going to foretell or to, to speak out of the coming Messiah. And so Isaiah talks about the one who's crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Malachi speaks of a similar prophecy. And the idea is this, is that when John arrives, it's with a miraculous birth. If you know the story, his father was a priest, and he went into the temple to uh, offer uh, burnt incense before the Lord. And it says that behind the altar where he was, said this angel, the angel Gabriel appeared, and that was obviously not normal. So, you know, he was kind of like, whoa, what's going on? And he said, you and your wife, Elizabeth, are going to have a son. Now, this was pretty miraculous in the first place because they were both old, and it says that Elizabeth was barren. She had no children, and so she was past the age of, of having kids. And so it was one of those things where he's like, well, how is this going to happen? And the angel said, because the God, God has sent me to give you this message. And because you didn't believe or you doubted the, the, that this could actually happen, he says, you're not going to be able to speak until your son is born. And you're gonna, his name is going to be John, and he's going to uh, be the one that's going to go before the Lord. Um, so that happens. Uh, John comes out, and all the people, the priests are like, you know, asking him what took him so long in there, and he's not able to speak. And so uh, it's in Elizabeth is pregnant, becomes pregnant, and um, that's, like I said, once again, a miracle in and of itself. But this is how John's life is started. He was called by God. It even says that the Holy Spirit filled him in the, his mother's womb, and if you guys know the story, John and Jesus were cousins, okay? So Mary, who was Jesus' mother, and comes to visit Elizabeth, and when it says in the scripture in Luke, it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, like, hey, Elizabeth, I'm here, whatever it was, it said that, that John in her womb leaped for joy, Okay? So it's just, there's, there's these connecting points, and I think about it like this. Imagine kind of growing up and being around 
in that situation. You see, they didn't have like uh, TikToks and Snapchat and all the different things that they could take. You know, they would tell stories about, hey, do you remember when this happened? Or, um, and, and you remember when the angel appeared? And then all these things happened. Uh, as, as John was growing up, and it says early on in his life, it says he went out into the wilderness. He lived in the wilderness. And so we see that John, it was, it was prophesied, his birth was prophesied, his ministry was prophesied. He was a miraculous birth, and then it said that his ministry was going to be one of a voice crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. Okay? So that's his introduction, our introduction to, to John. Now, just like the life of Jesus, once we see from his birth and his early years, uh, there's kind of this silent period. We don't know a lot about John other than it says he was in the wilderness and he was, um, you know, doing what they do in the wilderness, eating grasshoppers and honey and, you know, wearing camel skin and leather belts. And he was one of those, uh, who's the guy at Bear Grylls? He was like the original Bear Grylls out there surviving in the, in the wilderness. Um, but the idea is this, is he's kind of not on the scene in the sense of scripture until about 20 some years later. And what it says is that God calls John to begin to preach. He gives him the message to preach. Okay? Now, John's message was not a, um, uh, hey, let's all just get along. He was a very uh, confrontational he was somebody who spoke truth, and he didn't care how you felt about that truth. Uh, it's said that he called even uh, Herod, uh, who was ruling over the area at that time, he said, hey, what you're doing, Herod, is wrong. You've taken your brother's wife for yourself. And eventually, that judgment, that, that call to judgment on Herod is going to be what's going to cost John his life. But we see that he's in the wilderness. Not only did he call out Herod, all of the, the Pharisees, as he's proclaiming the coming Messiah, says he was preaching repentance, the gospel of repentance. And so he was calling people to come, get right with God, to be baptized. And these people, uh, really understanding their sinfulness, were coming and being baptized. You know, this caught the attention of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Because there's like, who's this, this guy out in the wilderness like, who is this guy, and why are people going to him? Why are people flocking to hear his message and to repent of their sins and to be baptized? And it says when they sent people out to, to check out what was going on, it says, John said, you vipers, you snakes, who warned you to flee from the coming, the coming judgment? And the idea was, these people didn't really want to come and find out about who, uh, what, what John was preaching and about the coming Messiah. They just wanted to kind of control the religious scene. They wanted to find out what was going on so that they could kind of maintain their, their position as, as the religious elite. And so he called out these religious leaders as well. And then Jesus comes. 
And at this point, this is where John's ministry uh, comes to its fulfillment or its, its climax. You see, Jesus comes and John has been saying, there is one coming. I'm not the one, but there is one coming who I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. He is the one who will forgive us of our sins. He is the one who will give us eternal life. He is the one that we need to be looking to. He says, I'm only proclaiming him. And so Jesus comes and actually says, John, baptize me, because that's what John was doing to these people that were repenting. And John says, Lord, you should be baptizing me, not me baptizing you. And Jesus says, John, do this in fulfillment of the scriptures. And he said, baptize me. And so John and Jesus go into the river, and this is the point in which uh, you see the Trinity in the beginning of the New Testament all together at the same time. It says that when John brings Jesus up out of the water, it says, the heavens open and a voice from heaven God speaks and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And it says the spirit came down as a dove and, and landed on him. And so you see the father speaking from heaven. You see this dove representation of the Holy Spirit and Jesus coming up out of the water all together at the same time. And so John had a front row seat to this. Not only was he called from birth, not only was he given a message to preach and proclaim, he got to be the one who baptized Jesus at the start of the ministry of Jesus. And so it wasn't long after that that John gets taken prisoner by Herod because of the things that he had said about his relationship with his brother's wife. And in all that, we see that now John is, is in prison. In Luke chapter 7, and we'll have it up on the screen in just a minute, but not quite yet. Um, John is hearing what's going on. He's hearing about the ministry of Jesus. He's hearing about miracles. He's hearing the message and the gospel. And, and so he's in prison. And during that time, he said, of, he, he called some of his disciples. The things that we know about John in prison, he was there for probably about a year before he was beheaded. Um, we see that he had visitors and people that would come. He, it wasn't like he was in uh, solitary confinement and didn't ever have any contact with people. People could come and, and have conversations with him. In fact, it even said that Herod would speak with him and have conversations with him. And, it, and it's very interesting that Herod um, had this interesting, you know, a little bit that we see in Scripture, this interesting where he was very curious about what John had to say, but it wasn't a, a, a curiosity that led to faith. It was just more of like, what is it, like just a, a different perspective. But we see that John has two of his followers that come to him, and, and John says, can you go and ask Jesus? I want you to go find Jesus and say, Jesus, are you the one are you the one, the Messiah, or should we be looking for someone else? And what drew me to speak on John and this story about John the Baptist is, John, you were there. 
all the way through. You saw Jesus come up out of the water. You, know, you were filled with the Holy Spirit at, at birth. All these things, your entire life has been this complete, focused, proclaiming the coming Messiah so that everybody would know. And, and yet you're asking this question. And so I want to take a little bit of time, and we're going to unpack what, have you guys ever heard this, this statement, you know, you give somebody the benefit of the doubt? Well, this morning, we're going to look at what the benefits of doubt are, okay? So we're going to see that even though doubt is not wrong or sin or something that we should never, ever, ever have, but it's something that we need to work through and understand, and actually, that doubt should lead us to a place of a, a more convinced, a more uh, anchored faith as we continue on through life. So let's, let's look at um, how doubt can come about. I have a, a little video here that I wanted to show you, and we'll see what this guy's perspective of faith and, and doubt is going to be in the future. Fall. And we're just, it'll be an exercise in building trust uh, between one another. So Harrison, if you don't mind going first, uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right. And then everybody fill in and we're going to ask you to fall and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. I'm going to count to three. Just relax and fall. Okay. One, two, three. No, wait, no, no. <laughs> and we'll just, it'll be an I, I think that guy is going to have trust issues moving forward in life. So, so what, what is doubt? Let's, let's think about what is doubt and how does that doubt affect us? Um, I want to make a couple quick observations here that's really important, especially as Christians, especially as people who are putting our faith and trust in Christ. Um, when doubt is talked about, specifically in the New Testament, and I believe also in the Old Testament, it's always referring to a believer, okay? So somebody has a doubt in the New Testament regarding their relationship with Christ or whatever's going on, they are a believer, not an unbeliever, but a believer. And that's important because, you see, there's people who are, those who have no faith, okay, they can't doubt because there's no faith in which to doubt. Um, let, me, let me say it like this. The, um, the, the word for, in the Greek for doubt is distazo, and it's the idea of an uncertainty about the truth, reality, or nature of something. It's a hesitation to believe, and it says here, not as much disbelieving, but rather struggling to believe, okay? So this idea of doubt is this idea of it's a struggle to believe because it doesn't add up, it doesn't, you, we can't see everything. We can't see all the things that are going on that, that bring us to that point of complete faith. Now, in contrast to that, unbelief 
that idea is completely lacking in faith, not believing or rejecting. Okay, so when we talk about doubt, don't think, oh, wow, that person must not be saved because they have doubts. Okay, that person, you know, oh, they're, they're separated from God because they don't have enough faith. Okay, that's, that's, I want to be very clear that, that this idea of when we have doubts, it's actually going to be to our benefit if we process through those doubts in the right way. And so um, understanding that is, is very key. If we, if we work through our doubts in the proper way, it actually strengthens our faith. In fact, um, that song that we sang uh, was, was great, that last little chorus, because it says, whenever there's something that we don't understand, where should we go? Jesus. If there's something that doesn't make sense, where should we go? Jesus. We got to go to the source. Okay, we've got to go to the source. If we start looking around and trying to figure out what everybody else is doing, or like, hey, did this work for you? Or like, we got to go to the source. Okay, and we see in the life of John that that's exactly what that's exactly what he does. He goes to the source. So we see that John has these doubts, and then we're going to see what he did about it. Can we get Luke chapter seven up on the on the screen? So what John, what Luke tells us here, says, the disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And when the two men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Now, Think about what Jesus' response is to this. He could have said the same things that we've been talking about. John, where, you were there, man. Why are you doubting? What's going on? He, he didn't call John out. He didn't make John like, hey, John, you just, you, you got to figure it out, bud. You got to strengthen your faith here. You, you just, even if you're in prison. But look what Jesus does. He goes on and says, hey, look around. Look at what's happening. So in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many of whom were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now, Jesus said, hey, I, and I bet there was a, uh, a compassion, a, a, hey, tell John, you know, give him, give him a hug for me. Like, let him know that he, what he did was not in vain. His ministry, his work, his calling, it wasn't in vain. Yeah, I don't think John expected to spend the last year or so of his life in prison. I don't think he expected to, to end up like, hey, God's called me to do great things, but here I am in prison. So, so sometimes the things that we work through have to deal with, we don't know everything that's going on. We have very limited sight. We have very limited information. 
And so that's where that trust comes in of saying, God, I don't get it. I'm not sure, but I trust you. Because you're good, you have my best interest, you bring your work to completion, and I can trust you in that. And so we see that, that the message that Jesus sends back to John is one of, hey, you are right on, okay? My ministry is going forward, and, and John, you did everything you were called to do. In fact, Jesus even goes on to talk about John in the following verses, and he says things like, of every person born of a woman, there is none greater than John the Baptist, None greater, okay? John had a ministry of just a few years, okay? But there were none greater. And then the other piece to that that's pretty interesting is Jesus says, but even the least of the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. It's like when we as followers of Christ, as we as his children come into his presence for fellowship with him, that's, that's where our Mind has to be. It has to be on the eternal. If we get stuck in the short-sighted, what's going on right now, and when I tell you guys all this, I'm going through this. Like, with my family and kids and job and life and finances, like, like, that's why I said at the beginning, when I told those parents and all those people way back when, like, oh, it's easy, just do this, this, and this, and everything will work out good. Like, life is not easy. And you guys know that. You guys are in that. You guys understand that. So let's get to the outline. Um, What I want to do fairly quickly is I want to give you three anchor points for your faith. Okay? Three anchor points for your faith. And this might be the same for you or it might look a little differently. But for me, the three anchor points that I have in my faith, my first one is my conversion. When God got a hold of me and turned my life around and I surrendered everything to him, I can tell you the time, the place. I mean, I, it, was, it changed me forever. And that was 20-some years ago. Um, so that's a point to me that like, whenever I struggle, whenever I'm like, hey, I don't know what's going on, I'm not sure which way to turn, I have an anchor point. I can go back to that time and place and I say, God, you started something in my life at that point and you're faithful. So looking back, we should hopefully have an anchor point, something that we can hang on to that, that grounds us when, when the storms come or when the doubts arise. The second one is the present, what I call the, your calling. Okay? What has God called you to do? What is it that he has you doing, whether it's right now? It could be in your... Uh, a, a ministry, a family, a, a job, a whatever it is, but what is God calling you to right now? What does he want you to do right now? And, and that can be something that like, when everything's out here that you can't control, God, what have you called me to do here? In my family, in my job, in my whatever it is. Okay? That can be an anchor point, knowing that God has called you. He's put you in this position you're in right now for a time and for a purpose. And so we have that. And then the third anchor point that I hold on to when I look at my conversion, when God 
changed my life, my calling, where he has me right now, but then also the future is God's promises. God's promises. Um, this is just kind of for free because it always, I, I, I love processing through this. Do you guys ever wonder why God tested Abraham's faith back in Genesis? Do you ever wonder, like, why did he say, Abraham, take your son, your only son, take him up on that mountain, and I want you to offer him to me as a sacrifice? And, you know, Abraham obeyed. He did what God told him to do. And it's like, you know, as a parent, that's like un, almost unthinkable. And yet, when God stopped Abraham before he sacrificed his son, and he said, you know, now I know you're faithful, or you, you, you trust me, and that you're, you're willing to do whatever I ask you to do. Did God not know where Abraham's heart was? Did God not know that Abraham would do what he asked him to do? I, I think God did, but you know, my take on it is, just my own little uh, piece to it is, Every time God asked Abraham to do something from that point on, what do you think Abraham thought about? Yeah, God, you are faithful here. And since you are faithful here and you're asking me to do this, I can trust you here. And so, once again, it's like we can look back at God's fulfilled promises in our own lives or in, in situations around us, and then we can say, okay, God, you were faithful here. I can trust you here. Even though... It's hard, even though I don't see it, I can trust you here. And so um, that's an anchor point that we need to, to hold on to. So we have our, call, our past, our present, our future, those promises that God gives us uh, in which to um, have our faith and our confidence and our trust in him uh, strengthened and anchored so that we don't waver. All right. Uh, reasons for doubt, and I'm going to keep moving through here fairly quickly on this part. There's reasons for doubt. Sometimes we get distracted. We lose our focus. We get all these other things going on in life, and sometimes you just lose sight of like where God is and what he's calling us to do. And so if we get too far distracted or losing focus, uh, we, start to, we can start to doubt because we're looking at things other than God and his call in our life. Um, see, the, the benefit of that is when we start to see those doubts and we start to analyze what's going on and where our priorities are, where our focus is, then it brings us to refocus or brings us back to what is really important. Um, second point is sometimes we look around we start to look around and see what everybody else is doing and how things are working out for other people. And, and we allow, uh, what I call, we start to look horizontally rather than vertically. And so when we start to do that and we start to get a little un unsteady or a little unnerved about the economy or about this or about that or what, what's going to happen, and it's like, no, we need to take our thoughts and our prayers vertically and, and come back to focusing on on the Lord. And I think this third one is where John the Baptist was. Sometimes reality is not what we expect. Sometimes the way things turn out it was not how we thought it was going to turn out at all. And what I say about 
my thought process with John right now is it wasn't that he was doubting. He just didn't know what was going to happen next. It wasn't a, uh, well, I don't believe that anymore, but like, Lord, I don't get it. Help me understand. Help me understand. Help me know what I'm supposed to do uh, as we uh, continue to move forward. And so I sometimes just a lack of knowledge or a, an incomplete picture causes us to doubt. And so those things, hopefully, in each one of those situations, if we go back to the source, we go back to Christ, we, we, we go back to the, the, the one who has all this under control, and we bring our, our questions and our thoughts back to him, just like John did. Hey, guys, go and ask Jesus what's going on. Is he the one? Or are we supposed to be, you know, are we, what, what are we supposed to be doing here? And so uh, we see that John went to the source. And the same thing we need to do. We need to go to the source. Um, there's three other people. You know, John the Baptist, his miraculous birth, his call, his front row seat at the baptism of Jesus. Okay, those are pretty spectacular. I don't think any of us here, at least I know, I don't think my birth was anything outside of the, you know, anything beyond the normal. Uh, I don't think there's any specific thing like that in my life. So I feel a little bit more ordinary than a John the Baptist, okay, or somebody like that. Um, but there's a couple of examples of people in the New Testament that maybe can help us relate to what their experience was. In Mark chapter 9, we see that there's a, a father who brings his son who's possessed with, by demons, and the disciples try and cast him out. Jesus is actually coming back to the group and he's like, hey, what's going on? And this father says, my son is demon-possessed, and he's convulsing, and he's doing all these things, and yet nobody's been able to help us. And, and he says, Jesus, if you, can, if you can help. And Jesus goes on to say, if I can help, I said, if, if you have faith, all things are possible. If you have faith, these things can be accomplished. If you have faith... And listen to what he says. I mean, <laughs> this is like my prayer, it seems like, all the time, or, you know, especially in the process of, of preparing to preach. It's like, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my, help my any doubts that I have, anything that, that is insufficient in my faith. And I don't think God was, or Jesus was telling him, hey, guy, you know what, just, just work a little harder to have a stronger faith. Just, you know, build up that faith and then come back to me? He's like, no. This man said, I, I believe, help my unbelief. And I think that's where so often when we don't know which way to turn, we don't know what's happening next, we don't know what tomorrow holds, any of those things, Lord, my faith is in you, my confidence in you, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Um, and Jesus cast out the demon, and, and um, that, that Jesus honored his request. Um, over in Matthew chapter 14, we see Peter. Uh, there's a storm. Jesus walks on water. Uh, he comes out, and, and the disciples all freak out because here's, in the middle of the storm, Jesus walking on water. And, and Peter says, hey, Lord, if that's really you, 
called me to come out onto the water. And, and uh, so Jesus said, come on, Peter. The water's fine. He said, come. And Peter, you know, he, had the, he, he stepped out of the boat. He stepped out of the boat and he started to take steps away from the boat on the water toward Jesus. And what happened? My thought would be his eyes were on Jesus like, okay, Lord, if we're really doing this, you got to tell me to step out of this boat. And Jesus says, come. And so he's doing that and says, but you know what? All of a sudden he gets out there and he looks down. And he's like, I sh- you know, I shouldn't be doing this. I mean, this isn't like, uh, this isn't normal. And, and it says that Peter looked around and he doubted and he started to sink. And Jesus reached down and said, hey, Peter, come on, man. Why do you, don't doubt, don't doubt. And yet, you see, I mean, you got to give props to Peter because he was the only one that stepped out of the boat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but you also, you see, and, and, and Jesus, I think, uses those moments to sort of just say, hey, come on, Peter, come on. You know, we, trust me, trust me. And so we see that, that Peter was, had the confidence of the faith to step out, but then he looked around and, and he saw the, the water and the storm and, and he began to sink. And then in John chapter 6, and I don't know, this isn't so much a, a doubt, but it's a, to me one of those uh, anchor points. There's all these people that are following Jesus and, and there's a point where they, say, you know, they, they turn and they go away. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, hey, are, are, are you guys going to go too? You know, are you guys going to stick with me or are you guys going to go? And, and Peter says, Lord, where would we go? To whom would we go? He says, you have the words of eternal life. And there was a confidence there. And even if they didn't fully understand, even if they didn't see the big picture, they only saw the, the glimpses, they were like, there's nowhere else for us to go. You have the words of eternal life. You are life. And they, they realized that even if their understanding was incomplete, even if they didn't totally grasp or couldn't connect all the dots, they knew that Jesus was the way to life. So, I'm sure that in your life and in your situation, there's things that, uh, you know, you've seen God's victories, you've seen uh, things that you didn't understand, things that you just kind of like, okay, Lord, you know, there's that, that trust and that faith. But at the end, there's two responses that we can have. Okay, and if you look at your outline, the first one says to resign. The second one says to resolve. And I don't know if these were very good words to use to illustrate my point, but hopefully I can explain it a little bit better as to what I mean by this. As a Christian, we can resign ourselves to, okay, God, if that's what you're going to do, I'm just along for the ride. Or I'm, I'm, I'm here. I showed up, but I'm not engaged. I'm not involved. I'm not, like, it's almost like you just kind of surrender to what God's going to do regardless, and you give up. Or it's just kind of like, I can't change it. I can't control it. There's, I'm, just, I'm just sort of resigned 
to whatever God's going to do uh, in my life and, and through my life. That's not the answer that I want you to walk away with. Okay? The other answer, or the other option is to resolve. And that resolve is to engage, participate, and see, even if we don't fully understand, God, what can I do? What should I be doing? Should I be going in this direction? Or should I be staying here? Should I be looking over here? Like, and it could be a, uh, a career choice. It could be a ministry opportunity. It could be um, who, who knows what. But all those choices that we make, those uncertainties that we have, um, my challenge to myself, because I feel like I've been sort of resigned. I feel like I've been, okay, if I can't change it, um, I just have to sort of grin and bear it. I have to just put my head down and, and be true to what God's called me to. But now I'm like, no, I need to engage. I need to resolve to be a part of where, I mean, be excited about what God's going to bring us next. When I surrendered my life to the Lord, um, I, I chose the slogan, um, I think it was either the Army or the Navy. You remember that military thing that says, uh, it's not a job, it's an adventure? That's what I, that was my, sort of my, my motto when I started, surrendered everything to Christ. Like, hey, my life with Christ isn't a job, it's an adventure. And I really have no idea where that's going to go or what that's going to look like. And that's been fairly true for most of the time. But there's times where it's just like, we, we can engage with him and be excited about what he's going to do um, rather than just trying to sit back and say, all right, God, it's up to you. I'm kind of hands off. I'm just surrendered to whatever it is that you're going to, to call us to. So that's the application I want you to walk away with. I want you to walk away with anchor points for your faith, knowing that when storms and doubts come, uncertainty is around you. Hold fast to those anchor points in your faith and to God's promises. And then as you apply those things, are you going to just surrender to it and give up, or are you going to engage and grow in your faith? So... Um, let me close our time with prayer, and I'm actually going to give us just uh, a, a minute to think through areas that God might be challenging you, whether it's uncertainty or doubt, and um, let's just take a moment, just quietly pray together and, and open our hearts before the Lord. Lord, I ask that your spirit would guide us right now, and that we would be honest with you, that we would be open I know sometimes the those doubts are things that we want to push away or push aside and not deal with but I pray that you would use those doubts to draw us closer to yourself that we would go to the source that we would look to you. That we would say as the man in Mark chapter 9 said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me overcome the doubts, the things that I don't understand. Mm-hmm.
Lord, I thank you for the story of John the Baptist. And even at the end of his life, that he came to you with his questions. He brought those to you. And Lord, I just pray that each one here would take the situations that they're in and any doubts that they might have and that you would remind them of your faithfulness, the anchor point in their life and that through that, Lord, uh, their faith would be strengthened, their relationship with you would be uh, deeper and that, Father, that we would be people who engage in what you are calling us to do, that we would be excited, even in uncertainty, even in things that we don't, can't totally explain or understand. And Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would lead us in this, and that we would not get, uh, it would be through you and not through any other uh, outside influences. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And I just thank you that we could share this time this morning. Amen.